welcome to a very special edition of the Six Piece Podcast. It's been a while since we've recorded a podcast, but uh, we're really fortunate today to be graced in the presence of Harry, who is our Ducks of 2023, and of course, Mr. Luca, who's also here. Say hello, Mr. Luca. Can they hear? They can hear. Can they hear? Hello, people. Hello, people. Um. Hello Q, hi students, um, gym session here where live as I said with Harry who is our Ducks of 2023 and who achieved a perfect score of 50 in VCE English. Yeah. How are you going Harry? I'm going great. Um, it's been three days since I came back to Australia. It's been a long break for us um, and I've been called back to answer some questions from students. So. Absolutely, which we'll get to in a moment. But before we get to that, I just want to sort of ask you, how does it feel hearing that, that you got a perfect score of 50 for VCE English? Um, I feel like a lot of people who get scores like this would react, kind of, you'd expect them to be like, like really happy, obviously, but only they know the, the journey that they've taken to achieve that score, right? So for me, it's more like, I was really surprised personally when I opened my results on, I think it was 7th, no, sorry, 11th of December. Um, yeah, I was really, I was elated. Um, but I can't help but also say that I was, like, very surprised. Like, I I know that I've always been a decent writer, but I also did say to Jim, yes, uh, my interviewer, that <laughs> uh, English was the subject that I expected to perform the worst in and that I knew that I would have had to put the most effort into. And I guess that ended up showing as it ended up being my highest raw score and almost my highest scale score. I think only one beat it, yeah. I want to sort of go to that a little bit because um, something that I noticed, obviously I taught you in year 11 and 12, but something I noticed a lot is the phrase, oh, well, Harry's smart, Harry's bright. Um, but something that I probably noticed more so is I would say Harry's a hard worker and that Harry put the work in in order to, to achieve. Do you want to sort of talk through that, like the effort that it took to get to where it did in English, knowing that it wasn't necessarily the subject you were most naturally sort of gifted in? I mean, it's interesting you say that considering you've told me for the last two years and I don't know if you've seen me do any work in class. But, <laughs> um, I, I do prefer to work at home. Um, I feel like it's a better environment for me personally. I know that that changes for other people. I see, in my, especially last year, like a lot of my classmates who I had been in class for many years, so I, I'd known their habits, like they, they really started to, like I was, I was surprised honestly, like a lot of people that I thought weren't gonna work much, they, they, they outworked me, it felt like. Um, but yeah, I guess I did most of my work at home, which is why uh, you, might, you guys might like not you might have seen me around the VC center. Uh, I was I was there sometimes lunchtime, but I feel like it's also, it's really important, obviously everyone says this, to have a balance, right? Um, and I was I was out with friends. Um, I didn't spend all day studying or anything like that. So while I did work hard, I wouldn't say my entire VC journey was work. And I think that is actually what ended up like helping me to get the result that I did, that balance, yeah. Cool. So, Harry, I might, you know, obviously balance is, is really important. Um, I actually want to talk a little bit about your other subjects. Uh, were there any differences, say, between the way you studied for those subjects? I mean, you did math methods in year 11 and then in year 12 you did physics. 
specialist maths and chemistry, which we all like, as well as your shared subject as well at the University of Melbourne. Were there any differences in the, say, the way you tackled those subjects as compared to English? Yeah, definitely. Um, I've always felt that maths in general has come more intuitively to me. Um, I mean, I was born in China, so I, I didn't know English up until the age of five was when I moved here. So uh, I had to learn it entirely. But it's, it's easier to learn something when you're a child. Um, and now my English is much better than my Chinese. It's quite ironic. Um, but because like all of those numbers like seem to make more sense to me than maybe writing an essay, or it was also more enjoyable, definitely. Um, I felt I didn't have to put as much time into like subjects like methods or special as other people would expect in order for me to achieve the scores that I did. Um, I will say that math methods being my only 3-4 subject in year 11, I put a lot of time into methods. Um, I did an outrageous amount of exams um, and I got a pretty good score to show for it. Um, so, But in year 12 when I did have the study load of all the other subjects, uh, I focused most of that into English. Yeah, physics and especially those sacks were mostly study the, the few nights beforehand. Meanwhile, English was more a consistent effort, I feel, throughout the year. Um, I want to sort of move to English now. Currently, students are studying Born a Crime, which is a novel. Um, we obviously didn't study that book last year, but we did The Dressmaker, and I maybe want you to talk through how you approached a written text like The Dressmaker. How did you study that text? What approaches did you sort of take to it? The studying Born a Crime for the... For a text response. For a text response, yeah. which we did on... We did it on high ground, but we did The Dressmaker and The Crucible as a yeah. comparative, and that's probably where I'm coming from because it's a written text. Okay, so the doing of a text response. Yeah. We had high ground as a text response. We did. And in our exam, we answered the text response part of the exam with high ground. Correct. Is, are they doing that with high ground still, or...? They are, but they get the option between high ground and Born a Crime. I see. Yeah. Uh, okay. So... The text response aspect, I mean, it all starts with the book itself, right? Uh, we did The Crucible and The Dressmaker, uh, the dressmaker you, you mentioned, for The Comparative, which uh, you guys no longer have this year. But as I said, it, it starts from understanding the book, right? everything you have to get from reading the book itself. So um, you guys would have been assigned homework over the holidays to read the book. Uh, I know only some students do that. I'd say it's, it's pretty important to have a deep understanding of the book. Um, you can not read the book entirely and still do well, but it really helps, like, if you want, say, an example, for you to just be able to stamp your fingers and then just think of a scene in the book, and then it makes your writing much more fluid because you're, you're not grasping at straws as much, right? You have your ideas more fluently. Um, your quotes, very important. Um, you will need to memorize a lot of quotes. I quoted a lot in my essays. I think that's what led to my high score. And because it's important to demonstrate to the examiner that you understand the text and that you're using examples from the text um, and that you're not just writing a bunch of stuff uh, based on what you know about the text but not actually taking the words from the text itself, which is demonstrating understanding. And when it comes to just mentioned that you had a lot of quotes, how did you go about, I guess, compiling a group of quotes in which you knew you could then sort of memorise and, and use in your essays? So you've got your quote banks. You've got your strategies that every student uses to take notes for English. Everyone does the, 
their words, their, like, their intent verbs, their quote banks, they often organize them based on themes. Themes are very important for when you're doing text response or you're doing comparative, which is no longer in the study design. But um, when you organize your quotes based on themes, because the essay prompts you get both from our teachers here and at VCAR, they will be based around themes. Um, once you read the prompt, you'll be able to clearly think about the one or two or three themes that VCAR is trying to assess you on. And if you hear that theme, and then you have a quote bank with that theme and a bunch of quotes that you already have in your head, then it becomes quite easy to construct an essay just around those quotes, because given that you've already drilled the structure of writing an essay into your head. And in terms of, because I remember you reading The Dressmaker really intently, you were almost studying every single word that was used in that book, and it's a similar length to Born a Crime. So were you sort of putting into a document everything you picked up, or were you being a little bit more um, particular about what you were sort of copying down? I was putting a lot of stuff into it. I have a document, I still have it now, it's, it's over 10,000 words. <laughs> um, that was my comparative. I, I didn't actually finish that document because it, it was just taking so long. You ran out of time. Yeah. <laughs> And I just decided that it was better to actually focus on my skill of essay writing rather than compiling evidence. But the large amount of evidence work that I did definitely helped me in writing the detailed essay that I ended up writing. And that essay ended up scoring, I believe, 19 out of 20 from the examiners. It did, it did indeed. Um, I've got a question from Ira who asks, what are your tactics for memorizing quotations? Is there something specifically you do? Um, that enabled you because some of your essays, particularly comparative, were really dense with quotations. Um, I was, <laughs> I, I honestly just took it head on. I, I took a, a rote learning approach. It's probably definitely not the best approach. You, you guys might have strategies. Um, there's tons of stuff everywhere on the internet. Look anything up on YouTube, how to memorize. I think I did that once. Um, but yeah, I just repeated them to myself. I thought about how I would use them in the context of an essay. So I wrote paragraphs surrounding those quotes and I memorized those entire paragraphs. I didn't memorize many of them and I got quite lucky in the sense that a lot of the essays that I was prompted to write focused around the themes of the paragraphs that I chose to write. But that also comes with a bit of strategy that once you identify the central themes in your texts, you wanna base a lot of your evidence around those central themes because all themes are connected in a way. If you, if you have a theme and you've memorized a, a lot of stuff for a very related theme, it's not too challenging to transfer the information over as long as you have a good understanding of the text. So I would say I just wrote a lot and I just read a lot of that back to myself. And I recorded myself reading those paragraphs. I listened to those recordings. I have some local files on Spotify of my <laughs> own essays uh, days before the exam. So yeah, that's how I went about memorizing. Did you make your own like top songs for 2023? I did not. Did you make it in your own mm, list? Oh, disappointing. Not that many times. That's all right. Um, I might actually, Ira's written a few questions. I might go to one more of Ira's questions. And she asks, how do you prepare for sacks? Obviously, we don't know what the topic questions are going to be. So how did you approach practicing for that? You, you touched upon, I guess, the idea of themes and, and making sure you had your head around that. But was there anything else? So sacks are... I'll first talk about the importance of sex, and I won't talk about this in regards to English, but some of the other subjects I did. Um, sex, you have to do well in your sex. Like, if you want a good study score, and good is relative, 
it's it's like it's what you expect from yourself it's what you think your standard is at and if you want to surpass that you need to do well in your sacks because your sacks they do contribute to a pretty significant part of your study score and so I think it's really important that you study for these and that you practice for these now I'm not sure if the sacks that they're doing are the exact same as the I know they're not are they still doing the oral? Still doing oral presentation uh, yet? Not the comparative, but not the comparative, but they're doing a crafting text. Crafting text, of that. I see. So it's just the, they've swapped out section for yeah, okay. Yeah, pretty much. Um, then everything else is pretty much the same. And for Born a Crime that you guys are doing right now, I imagine you have your sack next month. Yeah, soon. in a few weeks' time. Yeah. Today. Um, you just you have to read the book. You have to understand it. You have to, as I said, get the central themes, and then start writing essays. Start writing paragraphs based on those themes, and. You can start. Is Born a Crime a new text this year? It is. Yeah, it's a new year. text. Oh, I was gonna say if it was an older text, you could like look at some older prompts, but uh, that's challenging. Yeah, because for us, High Ground was also uh, new for us. Our year as the first of a year, Vika has never provided anything um, on any High Ground prompts at all, not officially. So that was no. quite painful. But you you want to think about how your teachers might formulate a question to you guys. Like, what do you think they might assess? And it's not easy to guess. There's infinite possibilities that they can do. I mean, I was very surprised on my high ground sack. I did not do as well as I expected in that sack. But you really just want to practice your writing to the point where you can get an essay done in the time. And it, that's really important, the, the time that you have, because it's still an hour yep. writing and how much reading? 10 minutes. 10 minutes reading. Yeah, that's not much time. For you to write a full fleshed out essay, three body paragraphs, lots of quotes, lots of evidence, an introduction that's relevant, makes sense, and a conclusion that links all your ideas together. So you really have to write and you really have to understand the book. Yeah. I sort of wanted to go back to that. You mentioned that you didn't go so well in high ground. So that was your first sack last year, or you didn't go as well as you thought you would. Um, what did you learn from that experience? I learned that my approach in preparing for the sack could be improved on. Because what I did was, um, there's a lot of stuff on the internet, like when a new text comes up, it's like, oh, maybe they'll write a bunch of stuff on what topics they could write about. Um, you could make your own topics, you take a theme, and then you take a, a common question that Vika might ask, and then you can add a few words to it, and it, it just becomes a topic. You, I, I wrote a bunch of essays on a lot of those topics that I thought might be assessed. But the one thing that I didn't focus on so much was time. So I remember that I was finishing these essays, I was getting these essays marked, and they were, they were pretty good. There were sevens, eights, maybe even a nine. But the problem was that I was marking where I finished by the one hour point. And it was always somewhere in the middle of the third body paragraph. And that came to haunt me in my sack because I do remember that I didn't finish my third body paragraph in the first sack. So it's like, if you do a lot of things in practice, and you, it just happens again and again and again. You can't expect it to turn out any different in the sack. Even though you might think, oh, sack pressure, I'm gonna write really fast, but the, the sack pressure has, it's, it's double-edged sword, because you're gonna be stressed, you're gonna be thinking, and if you can't think, you're gonna be stuck, and that's the worst, when you can't get any words out on the paper. So I think I could have practiced my timing a lot better. Yeah. How did you sort of approach the, the time conditions of a sack. So for most sacks, we're going to have 10 minutes of reading time and 60 minutes of writing time. Talk us through your approach in terms of the 10 minutes of reading and then, then the writing. Is this for text response specifically? Or yeah, this is for text response. For yeah. text response, we did high ground. Um, the 10 minutes of reading time, uh, this is pretty formulaic. A lot of strategy, like a lot of YouTube videos, yeah. maybe even teachers themselves might describe this as, this is always like your 10 minutes of reading time, 
the first thing you want to do is choose a topic because you're al- almost always given two and there's going to be one you like, one you don't like, both you don't like, both of them you like. You have to pick a topic. Um, and once you pick the topic, can you only really start thinking about what evidence, what quotes you want to use that you've hopefully already memorized, right? So your reading time, your first minute or two should be spent picking the topic. It should be no more than that because you need time to think about the topic. Reading time is incredibly important. I used to hate reading time because I just thought, just just let me write. Like, why, why don't you just let me write? I, I don't understand. But you, you have to formulate your ideas before you lay them out. Because otherwise, your essay is just going to come out unfluid. And I don't know if that's a word. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I was praised a lot for the fluidity of my writing. Yes. Um, above anything else. Um, and I think that came from me using reading time well, picking my topic Thinking of my three topic sentences, very important. I haven't done English in a while, so this is slowly coming right. back to me. No, it sounds good to um, me. Topic sentences are, are incredibly important because if you have a topic sentence that's worded like slightly off topic and you base your entire paragraph off it, you will lose a lot of marks. I know, I know a lot of students that did really well in English but didn't end up getting the scores they wanted because they thought they came out of the exam, they were, oh, I wrote a really good essay. And then they got their statement of marks back after they got their study score. And it's like, oh, instead of getting maybe an 18 out of 20, which you thought you got in this section, you only got 15. How did that happen? And then they thought about their paragraphs that they wrote and they went a little bit off topic. Because going off topic, it just, you introduce unnecessary evidence that's just not relevant to the prompt. And it's just a waste of words, it's a waste of time. Yeah. Did you, like, did you write down a quick plan at all or was it all pretty much cemented in your head? When I first started practicing formally for the exam, which is which was challenging, it was three hours, three essays. It's it's very intense. Um, in the first two minutes of writing time, after reading time, I would write down a brief plan of what I was going to write. But as I got more into the rhythm of doing the exams, I found that I could just go straight into the essays. But I, I would recommend that if you're someone who struggles with um, constructing all your arguments in your head definitely write it out because it helps like uh you take you flip your prompt sheet there's it's blank on the back most of the times you write down a quick i think they call it skeleton plan and then you you start writing your essay and you just refer back to your skeleton every once in a while see if you're staying on track that's the most important part because as you're writing you can stray off track quite a bit and if you have that plan there visually that you can see what you're trying to write about what you plan to write about maybe half an hour ago then it really helps keeping you on topic. Yeah. So I like what you're saying, and that's sort of just the students, I guess, to understand that even if your first sack isn't um, what you were hoping for, you've still got time and you've still got the opportunity to then work and, and build towards, you know, um, towards the exam. Speaking of that first sack, I've got a sort of a question from, from Ollie now, and he asks, how strong was your English ability going into year 12? So thinking about maybe year 10, year 11. My English ability, it's always been quite strong since I learned the language itself. I used to read a lot of books when I was younger. I think that helped immensely with my vocabulary, with my fluidity, because it's a part of your section C, analyzing arguments. You, sorry, not section C. Wait, is it? Text? Text what's, what's the one that you write, like the style of your... No, that's a creative. That's creative, yeah, which will be for crafting texts, I guess. Because I... I like, I like a lot of authors' writing styles. I mean, I liked. Uh, right now, I, I don't read as much anymore. It's a shame. Um, reading is, is great. It's a great habit to keep up. Um, it's a great way to broaden your vocabulary. But 
I think a lot of my fluidity came from reading these books, rereading them, rereading them, and then just understanding how authors were able to craft these sentences that sounded like they were, which is what made them able to become an author in the first place. They have that ability to write, you know? And um, my English ability, I have, I do take tutoring. Sorry, I did take tutoring. Um, I took English tutoring every year up until year 11, actually. I stopped taking it at year 11 because I believed that my English ability at that point was strong enough to take me through year 11. Um, maybe that was true. I did get the English award in year 11. Um, and I restarted English tutoring in year 12 because I realized that in order to do really well in this subject, because it is really important if you want to get a good ATAR, it's, it, has, it counts in your top four. There's nothing you can do about that. It's just the way VC is. You have to be really good at English. So I'd say my English ability going into year 12 wasn't as strong as it could have been because I put a lot of time, as I said, into methods in year 11. And that paid off for me in the end. And in year 12, I really took a lot of time into refining my English ability, writing essays, to the point where I was able to do what I did on the exam. So to answer the question, um, it wasn't as strong as maybe, say another student that got 50. Like maybe they, they, they'd have been really great at English their entire lives. But at that point, I wasn't incredible at English. I, I, I was getting some medium highs on Saxon year 11. And that's not a bad result by any means, but for me, um, I was expecting highs, you know, very highs. So to get that medium high, it was like, okay, I really got to focus on English. And yeah. You mentioned the role of tutoring there, and obviously we've got a lot of students who, who have tutors. What were the main benefits that you got out of having a tutor? My tutor specifically for section B helped me an incredible amount um, because if you have a tutor who scored highly in the recent years and you happen to be doing the same text as them, it's unlucky because a lot of new texts are getting introduced so a lot of tutors have to learn these new texts along with you guys to provide you with content for them. But my tutor for section B, she had done Crispal Dressmaker just the year prior and she had a really great understanding of the text so she was able to share her notes, her resources with me and she was able to share her high scoring essays and I think that was the most important part. Reading a high scoring essay and seeing what makes that essay score as highly as it does, right? You see the fluency, you see the vocabulary, you see the quotes, you see the evidence, that's the important part. And you see that it's on topic, that you read it and you just think like, you know, good essays, you read them and you just think in your head, yeah, this is, this is a good essay. <laughs> you, you just know and you try to replicate it because the tutors are there to help you. You can copy their work, there's nothing stopping you. Um, and it's a, I think VCAR does take a few phrases at the end of high scoring exams every year and they keep them. And the next year, if the students have copied those exact phrases, like they know that they've done that, but it's a very low chance that that'll happen to you. Um, I know that that was told to me by my, I'm not sure how true that is, but. Um, yeah, feel free to copy their work. They're, they scored well and you're paying them, so they're there for a reason. Use their resources. Yeah. Were there any other sort of resources that you had? Like, I'm thinking of sort of people like your peers um, and colleagues, were, were they of assistance to you? You want to talk to your friends. Um, you want to, if you guys are all passionate about English, or maybe not passionate about English, but passionate about doing well in English, um, having conversations with each other is a great way to broaden your understanding of the text because everyone perceives things differently. If you read a book, one person might see it from a different point of view to another person. And just 
seeing all these point of views and how they merge together, it gives you a broader understanding of the text. And um, there was someone I specifically talked to before my SAC for Section B, which was our comparative. Um, not there anymore, but I was feeling not very confident for the SAC, especially because that SAC had a quite a heavy workload. You had to compare two texts in the same time, so generally students write a bit more for that SAC. But he helped me understand better some of the concepts, some of the quotes, and a lot of good passages. Like you could read each other's essays, you could mark each other's essays, um, give you you know, uh, what do they call it? Uh, it's feedback. No. Peer, peer, oh, peer assessment. Something like that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't, you don't even need to use a phrase for that. But no. yeah, it's great to talk to your friends because you'll get ideas from them and you can use those ideas to better your essays. And sometimes as well, it's a, it's a less intensive way to study, isn't it? Rather than sitting there writing for, say, 45 minutes an hour, you can chat to your mates for half an hour and that way you've learnt more by doing that sometimes. Yeah. I, I hated writing, so anything that I could do was doing English and not writing, I was I was glad for, and yeah, I think that definitely helped. Yeah, I think there's something in that. I mean, obviously, practice your writing, it's really, really important, but sometimes it can be detrimental to you, and there are other ways that you can sort of study that don't necessarily rely on you writing over and over again, especially there's times, and I'm sure you felt it too, Harry, where you just didn't feel like writing. Yep, every day, yeah. <laughs> um, I've got another question actually from Ollie. That's a good question. Um, what do you think different, differentiate? I need to say this properly. I won't edit this out. What do you think differentiates a top 10% essay and a top 1% essay, which obviously yours were on the exam? What do you think the differences were that got you to that 10 out of 10 on the exam? It's hard to say because I was aiming for the top 10%. I wasn't aiming for the top 1%. Um, I did end up scoring the top 1%. Uh, I don't get a chance to reread my essays, unfortunately. However, I have basically the essays that I wrote on the exam saved on my computer because it's what I memorized. Um, if you're going to ask me about exam strategy later, I might talk more about that. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's just specific evidence, I think is very important. That was told to me a lot by both my tutors and my teachers at day school that um, Everyone uses the same examples. If you're talking about high ground, everyone uses the negotiation scene where are they doing high ground now. They're doing high ground this year. Yeah. That where DARPA and Baywar mm -hmm. they they face off. Sorry, not DARPA and Baywar. Was it Moran and Moran and, and DARPA? DARPA yeah. yeah, those two. And with the long shot. Yes, the long shot and then all the film techniques and all the diegetic sound and all the I hate costuming. It. Um, yeah, everything is on scene. Um, everyone uses passages, film techniques from that, that scene. It's a great scene. I, do, I, I used quotes from that scene. But you want to think about smaller, more niche examples that other students are not covering. And you want to make them relevant and you want to tailor them to the essay that you're writing. And if you can gleam a quote from a part of the film that an examiner has not seen referenced yet, because examiners read essays like it's insane for them. They have you're an examiner yourself. Yes, I am. You can <laughs> well, look, you, you sort of, you mark each section at a time. So you'll mark section A, and, and what they'll give you is they'll give you two sample ones that have already been marked, and you read them and you give them a mark, and you can't actually mark exams until you've marked two in a row that are accurate in terms of the mark that you give them. Um, and so what you're doing is you're reading, say, 15 essays in a row, 
if it's for section eight, it might be different texts as well, yep. but some are popular and high grounds are popular texts. So you yep. end up maybe reading five out of the 15 are high ground. And you do notice the ones that are using the more unique examples that are a little bit more expressive with their vocabulary, the ones that flow. So by the time you've read the first three paragraphs, you haven't even thought about it, it's been that good. Um, that's where I sort of come from, from an examiner's point of view. Yeah, so examiners read a lot of essays basically, and they don't do this for one day, they do this for about two an weeks. entire exam period, mm. because there's a lot of essays, you think about it, there's a lot of kids doing English, a lot of essays being written, a lot of essays that need to be marked. There's, they're reading the same things again and again, day by day, it gets boring. So if you write an essay that's exciting, it'll put you in the top 10%, maybe even 1%. It's, it's not just the examples, you've got your vocabulary. A lot of words that I learnt just for my exam, I don't know them anymore because I put them into my short-term <laughs> memory, but I, my vocabulary was, I'd say it was, it was pretty good heading into year 12, but it only got a lot better. I, I tried to use a lot more like, so there's a lot of describing words. There's a lot of words that you can use to describe the same thing. Um, say elucidates, for example, like, what does that mean? It means to make clear. <laughs> to make, make clear, clear, right? But like, there's a lot of ways to say that the author makes this clear. But there's a lot of contexts that an author makes something clear in. So if you can find a word that perfectly describes how the author makes it clear in that context, because a lot of words, there's a lot of really weird words in English. And the weirder the words get, the more specific they get. That's what I found. So mm. if you can find the weird specific words that describe those contexts perfectly, and you're not just writing like you had a thesaurus in your hand because that's not what you want to do nope. but yeah if you you need to expand your vocabulary and the, the more of that that the examiners see they'll be like this kid knows what he's talking about yeah i, I like the, the word nuance if you're quite nuanced in your approach like you're picking out small things and relating them to the topic and it works really well then that's sort of what we're after um let's talk about the exam let's talk about exam strategies yeah and talk about how you approach the exam. Now, it was a very specific way that you sort of set for the exam and um, I'm really curious to hear you share how you approached it and we might, you can break it down into the three sections or you can talk about it holistically, it's sort of up to you. Um, I think I thought about it very holistically rather than sections, so I'll talk about it holistically. Um, I will say my, my method to the exam was very unorthodox. It might not work for you, it might work for you. Um, it was also, luck definitely played a factor in the score that I got because um, there's three sections for the exam and uh, only two of the sections that I'm doing this year are the same as you guys, but that's still two thirds of the exam that mm -hmm. we're both doing the same of, so I think it's, it's helpful. Um, section C is the section that most students start on for their exam. Now, you guys haven't learned section C yet this year, but you did do it late last year. So it might still be, I know for me after the holiday, I didn't remember anything about English. So it, it's fair if you don't remember anything about it. But um, section C is argument analysis. Um, and the reason that most students start with this section is because in your 15 minutes of reading time that you're given for the exam, for your three hours of writing, you're given prompts for section A, prompts for section B, is that the yeah. same? Okay. Yeah, it would be the same. And a whole essay to read for section C. Not a whole essay, and a whole article. Article, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot more preparation to be done for that section. Because for section A and B for us, it was that the texts are the same, everything is about, this, about it, the texts are the same. The only thing that's different is the prompt that you're given. For section C, it's that, like, the, what you're expected to do, sort of the prompt in a sense, I guess, is the same, 
but the article that you're analyzing every time will be different. So it's quite different to the other sections. Um, and you need to read the article you're given, you need to annotate it, not in reading time, maybe in writing time, or if you're good enough, you can annotate in your head, um, which saves a bit of time. And you need to list out all your ideas for that section. And then once you finish that section, it's straight on to the next one, and it's straight on to the next one. There's not much time to rest. Because if you're thinking about the exam, if you're not meeting the time requirements in a sack, that is only going to compound in the exam. Because it's very intense. You, you want to aim to finish your essays before the hour comes up. Maybe have some time to look over it. Um, it's not always necessary. But yeah, section C um, is the essay that people start with. And it's also what I think is it's one of the most important, probably the most important section. because. It's kind of like what sets your flow up for the whole exam session. If you feel like you've written well in your section C and you're feeling confident, and then you've got your prompts uh, from section A and B, you're gonna be like, you're gonna fly through the exam. But if you're stuck on section C for a long time and you, you, you take over the hour time, and normally for us it was section B that took the longest, yeah. right? You're gonna be stuck wasting a lot of time in section C, so you don't have as much time for section A and B. It just gets challenging the whole exam. Okay, now, that's section C. Okay, specific exam prep. Yeah. Uh, I will talk about section B. Uh, I'll talk about section A. Yeah. Text response. Yeah, so the section B has changed for this year, but it's going to be very similar to section A. They'll get a prompt and they'll have to write something. Okay. Yeah. Um, I memorize an essay. Uh, it's not the smartest thing to do. I believe it's rule one on the on the every VCAR English and EAL report. They say students should not memorize essays, but there's more to it than that, isn't there, Harry? Yes. Um, you want to memorize a good essay. You want to memorize an essay that's adaptable to different themes, that you've practiced writing this essay out multiple times to different prompts, to the point where all the evidence maybe you're using can be the same. You're going to get two prompts, and those prompts are going to cover a wide range of themes. So as long as your essay has to do with those themes, I won't say a little bit, because it's not good to try to tailor your entire essay and try to like, what's the word when you're trying to like? Um, yeah, there's, there's, there's a, a word for that. Here we have the two. Shoehorn. 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 Shoehorn your entire essay into a theme. That's not good. You're going to lose marks. But you need to practice shoehorning your evidence into yeah. like themes. Like, this is this is bad. Can we, no, no, it's all right. You can give me a hang. Or you can I just said not to shoehorn, and now I'm saying you want to. I want to. Well, shoehorn. no, it, it, it's it's all about being flexible, and so it's all about using the evidence that you memorized and the ideas that you've and analysis you memorized and tweak it, yeah. right, to fit with the prompt or your interpretation of the prompt. And that's where I think the essay question isn't, doesn't necessarily have to be narrow. You can actually broaden an essay topic and adapt it to suit yeah. your knowledge. Uh, one of the things I did practice doing was taking an essay and then looking at a prompt and then seeing if I could manipulate that prompt in order for my essay to answer the prompt. Because there's a lot of words in a prompt. Only some of them are very important and you want to focus on those keywords. And the rest of the words, they're like sort of free space. So if you can just focus on the keywords, like there's, there's a lot of, uh, is it spark words? Like what are the- Yeah, the spark notes and schmoop. No, 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 sorry, no, no. Not, not, not that. Like the, the words where buzzwords. Oh, buzzwords, yeah. sorry, yeah, buzzwords. So the examiners will have a prompt and then they'll know that when they see it in, in an essay, they're looking for these words yeah, in the essay. Definitely. And once that they've seen these buzzwords, they know that you've answered the prompt, right? Yeah. So you want to try and 
maintain those buzzwords, but maybe see if you can like maybe your the essay that you've written doesn't match up perfectly well to the prompt. That's fine. You need to manipulate your essay. You need to be flexible. And if you can do that and keep the same evidence, because if you've memorized a, a passive passage of evidence, it's going to be a good passage of evidence, because you're not like crafting it out of nothing. You've memorized it. You've already put the pieces together at home. You've used a lot of big words, maybe, and you've memorized that passage. It's a good passage of evidence. You're using good quotes, using niche quotes, and you just need to adapt that to the prompt that you're given. And then, as long as they see those buzzwords, you'll be good. And that is important. Like you, you do get, you do get judged particularly on your response to the specific topic a lot more in the exam than say potentially the SAC because it is part of the criteria. And the exam criteria is very, very simple. Like it's topic, text, knowledge and written expression. It, it's, it's pretty straightforward. Um, any other advice you've got for tackling the exam? I mean, I've mentioned timing is yeah. the most important. Um, I finished my exam early because I memorized my essays and I wrote them out confidently. I think my entire exam, I do remember I was sitting right over there. So, where were, so, so I should say we're live in the VC Centre, yeah. so can you remember where exactly you were? I was somewhere on the left side, far, far back. Like, this, okay. is, this is a pivotal day in my life, how could I not remember? <laughs> um, I was sitting there and I was just, there were words in my head and I was just writing those words down because I'd memorised the essays. That's how it went so fluently for me. And when I came out of the exam, I was really happy with how I did. I, I went straight up to Jim. Yep. And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to get you a good score in English. Um, I think you said I've got you at least a 45. I, I, said, I, I said I'm getting a 45. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. yeah. Uh, I, <laughs> I, in my predictions for my scores, I wrote 45. It was higher than 45, which is always great. Um, you can always but, call Vika and say, can you drop my score down, please? Yeah, yeah. I'm good. Right. Um, but yeah, the exam, it's being confident. Uh, I will say I got three hours of sleep going into the English exam. It's important to sleep well. Um, I've always been someone that doesn't really do that. And it's not, it's not because I'm doing something important. It's because I'm doing things that are very unimportant. I'm procrastinating. Um, and I thought, oh, exam periods, yeah, I'm gonna lock in. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sleep early. I'm gonna take melatonin gummies. Did yes. not work, nothing <laughs> worked. Um, uh, yeah, I could not fall asleep till I think 4.40, something oh, like yeah. that. Um, and I was really stressed, but I did, Message someone when I woke up and they had their exam two years ago. They're like, oh, don't, don't stress, I slept two hours and they ended up getting a real 47. I heard that and I was like, if they can do it, I can do it. Um, so you want to sleep well, you want to be well rested because it's very, in once you get into it, you have the adrenaline, obviously. The adrenaline was was quite insane for me. Um, I, I don't think I've ever been so pumped to do something on seven hours of sleep, let alone three. So um, once you're in the exam, you're just going to be writing, as long as you don't get stuck, which is why it's important to know your essays, know your text well, right? But your hand's going to be moving, and your hand's going to be tired, because even after, throughout the whole year of English last year, after I finished the sack, I was like, my hand is dead. How am I going to do this for three essays in a row? And I, I talked to my friends about this, and they were like, I feel the same. Yeah. We all did it with three yeah. essays in a row in the end. So no matter how much you think you won't be able to do it, you're going to find a way to do it, because it's a very important exam and you've been working for all year. You don't want to do badly on it. Um, but that's like the sort of, that's the, the, the macro. It's like yeah. hand being being tired. Yeah. The micro is, it's, it's what I talked about. It's, it's, just, it's just knowing your Knowing your well. stuff, yeah. 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 Uh, we might close 
it off with the final question from actually from from Ira. This is one that will ask you to reflect. Is there anything that you would do differently for English based on what you did last year? It's actually a two-pronged question. And what would you encourage students to make sure they incorporate to achieve the best possible English score? Let's go with the first one. Is there anything that you do differently in English? I... You I can mean, say no. I'm, like. I'm very happy <laughs> with... I, I, t I say this a lot. I got a really good effort to reward ratio. Um, I would have put more time into English, actually. Um, I feel like I definitely tried not being, because I, I'm a very last minute person. Deadlines motivate me. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not good at doing things as they are set. Um, if you are if you are good at that, then you will do better than me. Um, that is a great skill to have, but I just can't bring myself to do that no matter how much I try. Uh, I just procrastinate, but yeah. oh well. Um, I would start earlier. Uh, preparations, everything, because sacks are very important. After I finished my first sack, I was really worried because I didn't get I wanted this a mark. I wanted a study score in English. I, I set a goal for myself at the start of the year. I wanted 45. And uh, at Q High School, the performance indicators after SACS, they tell you what study score that, that it's like, it's like it is a performance indicator. Yeah. It's what it is. Very high indicates you're getting 40 plus. Um, very high is incredible. High by itself is a great score. I got a high on my first SAC. A high indicates that you're getting between 35 and 40, if yep. I remember correctly. Right. So I, I thought about that and I was like, but I wanted a 45. It's like, maybe I, I need to try a lot harder. So it's like starting earlier is, is something that I would, I would have done. Um, for the exam as well, and a lot of my other sacks, the same thing happened. It's like, I, I thought I did enough preparation, but like two or three days, Days before the actress, like I was just, I was, was really stressed, and I was like, oh, I need to work hard for this, and, and I need to get into the sack, do well. What if I, what if I mess up? What if, what if I just, it, because one bad sack, one really bad sack, it can tank your mark quite a bit. You have the exam to make up for it because the exam does make fifty percent of your study score, but sacks are very important. The exam is even more important, and you just, you want to start, you want to be well prepared. You want to go into the room the VC center always, I think, for all your sacks and your exam. And you wanna feel as you're walking in and you're sitting down, like I'm ready for this. No matter what the prompt is, when I open up that booklet, I can write an essay tailored to this prompt and it's gonna be an essay that I'm happy with. I think throughout the course of the year, the only sacks that I wrote that I was truly happy with after coming out was my sack for section B and my argument analysis section C sack. And then my exam, all three essays I was happy with. But every other sack that I wrote, I came out thinking either I, I didn't finish it, so obviously I didn't do as well as I could have, or I just, I was not too happy with how I went in that sack. And I, that didn't stop me from doing the same thing in the next sack. So yeah, be prepared. I'm just reflecting on your, um, what, what was the creative that is now sort of crafting text? And from memory, did you get a perfect score for that? I did indeed. There you go. So there's some nice parallels there. Um, I want to finish off with this Second part of this question from Ira, what would you encourage students to make sure they incorporate to achieve their best possible in this score? To make sure they incorporate. Yeah. So what should they do or what should they incorporate into their writing to make sure they achieve their best possible score? Evidence. It's, I read a lot of essays from students in my year level, my friends, um, and they were writing great essays. They were writing essays that they were better than me at essay writing. They were writing essays that finished within the time. They were writing fluent essays that were structured well. It was fine to read. 
The only problem is there just wasn't much evidence. Um, I would go around asking because uh, maybe someone went home the night before. Oh, I did a practice sack last night. Oh, how many quotes did you have in each paragraph? Two or three. That's not enough for me. I remember counting. I had 16 <laughs> quotes per paragraph in my Section B essay. There was a lot of quotes in your comparative. <laughs> yeah. um, and I, I think I was over-quoting to an extent. Sometimes. But if you can make the quotes make sense in your context, then there's no over-quoting. Like, you could write a large number of quotes, and as long as it makes sense, and as long as the, the explanation and the evidence is actually meaningful, it's, you're going to get marks for it. You're not going to be knocked down marks for it. You're only going to be knocked down marks for not having enough evidence in your paragraphs. Because if you look at a paragraph, because the, the how I did this was I went into my essay. I did control F, right? Yep. And that, that's how you find... That's how absolutely And then I, I put the quotation mark in. Yeah. And then you just see it dotted all over the paragraph. Yeah. But if you look at a paragraph and you only see two, three sets of those quotation marks, maybe they wrote a good paragraph with a lot of great explanation for the evidence that they have given. But if they haven't given enough evidence, they just they haven't demonstrated that they have understanding of the text, which is, you said the criteria for the exam was very simple. It's yeah. one of the criteria for the exam. Absolutely. So the examiner is going to see that, oh, you wrote well, you're fluent. So you're going to get a decent score, but you're not going to get as good of a score as you could have got had you just incorporated those quotes to achieve the, the top 10, 1% that was yeah. mentioned earlier, right? And that's it, like, it's a visual thing. If you see lots, and you don't even have to control effort. On handwritten ones, you can see which ones have quotes and which ones don't, like, it's a visual thing, yeah. Um, any last tips, observations, comments that you wanna make for the class of 2024? Good luck. Do well in English. You, English, I've said this before, it's, for, for people like I, me, I was expecting, like, okay, let's say English didn't have to be in our top four. I was expecting it to sit at my bottom two, every, easily. I was expecting my other scores to surpass English because I always thought that I was just not that great at writing essays and I also didn't like writing essays. But even though you didn't, you don't like writing essays, uh, I'll use my brother as an example. Um, he docked two years ago at this school. He got a 41 in English, which, oh, compared to my 50, that might not sound so impressive. But he came to Australia six years later than I did. He had much less of a time to learn, adapt, just build his writing style. And yet he practiced insanely hard for English. I would say, this is a little bit insulting, but he practiced more for English. He did more English work in his VC year than I did for my subjects combined. Um, he put a lot of work into English. Every day when he came home, he was writing essays. He didn't like writing essays, he still doesn't. Um, his Chinese now is still better than his English. But he knew that in order to get a good ATAR, which he really wanted a great ATAR, you know, expectations, everything, standards for yourself, that you had to do well in English because it's in your top four. Let's just say we got a 45 in English instead of a 50. That's five less study score. But my chemistry, which scaled up to a 42, even if I'd gotten a much better score in chemistry, that would have stayed in my bottom two because English has to be in my top four. And that would have brought my ATAR down. So you have to do well in English. You have to practice. Um, like my brother did, like he was, is, is insane watching him. Like I was watching him, I was in year 10 at the time. I was like, I don't think I'm gonna be able to do this by the time I hit year 12. I didn't end up doing that because I just, I didn't like writing essays. He had the ability, even though he didn't like writing essays, to force himself to yeah. write them and do them again and again. And even though his essays weren't amazing essays, they were structured well. They were done within the time. I mean, I think you yourself might have read a few of them. I read a few of them. I thought they were pretty good. Yeah. Um, well, I thought they were good. 
Yeah, he might have not had as broad of a vocabulary as yeah. I did because I have much more exposure to English than him. But the most important part is that he wrote. And because he wrote, he wrote a lot, he practiced a lot, he did well. And he got the score that he wanted to. And it's always a great feeling looking back. It's like, uh, they call it academic validation, right? Yeah. It's like, it's not the best thing to, to seek in your, because it's bad for your mental health if you focus too much on it. But once you've achieved that result, you're going to be glad that you put in all the work that you did to get it, like I am right now. Um, so, yeah. Uh, before we go, I'm going to give a shout out to Miss Roberg. Okay. Your method. Why is picture. that? Oh, just because I think she had a very big influence on your time. Like you really? Yeah, I think oh, so. Okay. Um, is there anyone you want to give a shout out to? Um, I've shouted out my brother. Yeah. Uh, maybe maybe my BC English teacher for the last two years of my high schooling. The person who's sitting opposite me on this table. Yeah, that was hard work. What do they call you? Jim. They call you Jim. They call me Jim. They don't call you that other name. I want to say um, that I, in my year 11 English class, I reckon you did a fair bit of methods in, yeah, in that class. Uh, but you just showed out Miss Roberg, so you could, you know, it was a trade. There you go, it was a trade-off. Um, and I think that, that came down to, I think, trust. I, I had the trust that you'd be able to step up in year 12 and, and you did that. I sincerely believe the reason I did so well is because of the freedom that you gave me. I think if you forced me to do all of the assignments that were actually set for us every class, I would have been, I would have hated English a lot because our English class, it was fun for me. Um, yeah. I was sitting next to my friends. We were, we were talking quite a bit, <laughs> um, but we weren't disruptive. Uh, yeah. Not every day, but yeah, uh, I was given a lot of freedom for my studies. I think that's what led to me getting the result that I wanted because I was happy in the amount that I was studying. I wasn't, I didn't feel overworked. Um, except for some parts during the year when sacks really came hitting yeah. heavy. That that happens quite a lot. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's just my mental health was always great. I was I was enjoying life and I got a score that reflected me. The yeah. perfect 50. Harry, thanks for joining us today in the VC Centre where your name now sits at the very, very back yeah, there. I don't know how you managed to get that done so fast. But. Well, look, when, uh, when you get a 50 for English, mate, things happen to oh, you, things happen to you. Things happen, yes. Um, all the best this year. You start university this week, O-Weeks this week. So O-Weeks, orientation was yesterday, yes. So you're back into study already. Yep. Good luck, Harry. Thanks again for joining us. Thank you.